Episode of the Hurt Circus. I'm your host, Nicholas Ridiculous, aka Nick Ridick, aka the Hairless Hyena. What the fuck is up? What's the halves, my cackle? It's a uh, it's a wild, wild world out there right now. Over here in Canada, we got the the whole land dispute between our colonial ass white fucking power government and the native indigenous communities over this whole pipeline and all the protests and rail blocks and just demonstrations of unity from very continually oppressed people and it's it's fucked up it is fucked up especially as I as I'm trying to you know just connect with my own background and understand my own ancestry and history and where I come from it's hard not to feel feel a lot for this kind of situation because it's just not to mention just being oppressed most of my life by a system who feigned caring basically and more punished than empowered on the daily so it's it's hard to not feel a connection and it's just but that it's like how do you how do you change any of it, you know? The power's already been taken. It's I don't know. I don't think people are really ready for what it would really take for the true change to ensue. But those are the issues of the country, not of what's within the pod. Well probably at some point. It's all relative really, let's be honest. Let's fucking be honest, huh? But, but yeah, I want to. I guess this episode would be about just like the time, you know, when it comes to actually aging out of the foster care system. Whether you're 18, 16, whenever you manage to get out, older than that, whatever. And, um, just like the overall preparation you go through. And, you know, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to do it all in one sitting or not. I'm going to try and stick around for it. It's just, you know, I just really got to get on these episodes. I've been fucking just slacking. I'm going to try and make it more routine to at least if not record weekly, at least work on them weekly in some fucking manner, because shit's getting away from me a bit too much. Know what I mean? No, 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 know what I, no, no, know what I mean, mean? But... Yeah, just the whole process... That whole phase of transitioning out into independent living. and While... Bit ago, I just I came across this news story of just a young indigenous woman who had just aged out of the foster care system, and she was um found deceased in a tent in the woods, and like it was the middle of winter in Canada, so it just um I don't know, and as as a ex Crown ward and someone who has just been a had their whole life afflicted by the same kind of system and treatment and shit. It's like 
any one of us that could have easily been, you know, because it's, it's not like, it's not like you're prepared at all, really, for life, because that's, in a proper familial relation situation, it would be the parental responsibility and just sense of protection of their child to just prepare them for their time in adulthood and you don't get the same kind of natural inclination from let's say you know old people who are your fucking foster parents or really even that of the social worker who has probably tons of other cases and they're just juggling all of these lives in their hands And you're also dubbed with the whole, you know, the, just the kid that's there, you know, the unclaimed. So there's no real sense of duty to anyone to really prepare you for what's to come. As you try and enter the world and live on your own and do all that fun fucking bullshit they call adulting. So yeah, I saw this story and it was just, it just hit home, you know, it was, oh, it was just too real in my world, because more often than not, than any kind of real preparation, I was just told, quoted repeatedly just statistics on f failure rates and shit like that, as kind of scare tactics to get you to go to college or I don't, I don't even know, but it was just like, told more about how ex-foster kids were more the bigger number of the population of homeless youths than most stigmatized, um, stigmatized groups or afflicted groups or however the fuck, socially handicapped, familial disadvantaged but it's, I don't know, it's not anything, like, for so long, I just got crippled and stuck in surviving and not even living. It still happens from time to time where you get locked in these cycles of just learned helplessness and accepting your situation, even though it's not something you particularly like or enjoy or find any happiness in you just kind of grow complacent to the bare minimum and maybe it's just because things have been so bad in the past that you know sometimes it's like sometimes I'm just like laying in my bed even to this day I'll just like get this really like burst of strange angsty joy just because I have a warm bed that I'm like <laughs> and that you know it's not something I have to worry about right now so maybe it's like that's the contrast of the situation from where you came from and you know it's like as soon as you do age out I think it's probably different for every person who does it but immediately most of us just start running and don't stop running for a long time because we're afraid if we stop they're gonna get us again and okay okay wait not dolls right not dolls not dolls not dolls not dolls not dolls because we're grown ups now no not dolls come on hide and seek I think that goes along with the whole just settling and just skating by and just surviving. You don't stop. You don't stop. Allow yourself to slow down enough to actually just start to live a life and build a life and learn life and gain understanding. 
and it's hard it's really hard because you just get so used to the pace you know that even slowing down can start to feel like rigor mortis or something where you just you're it's either full speed ahead or full stop now or and maybe that's just more of the contrast bleeding through and echoing through and just the extremes of that have always existed of the freedoms and restraints and the expression of self and the punishment of self and because it's so hard to try you know like even something as low as like making plans with friends is like it's so easy to forget that it, it actually takes effort to see people especially when you're trying to have friends when you're trying to when just you're growing up and the responsibilities of life kind of just vein around all of us and just grow thicker and thicker and making it harder and harder for us to contact and it's just It takes effort and it's so easy to forget and it's like everything is just like you get so used to not trying like I've even just run into like so many physical issues from just like muscles in my body just not being strong at all because I just give it just gave up you know and to revert it is difficult because when you're raised to be something and told certain things, it's hard to not become those things, you know, like to become the product of your environment. So I just see it so much now where it's just, just, it's like, just a fragmented mental development and just hindered optics where you're just, And the force, the forced maturity of some parts of yourself just to kind of balance out your own mind as you were going through all these lonely, traumatic, life-altering transitions over and over again of just wish and wash and wish and wash and you just... And so growing up itself and becoming an adult, it's not, it's not even like you grow up, it's more like you just have to take on more responsibilities and hopefully you got enough brain cells left to uh, make room for them, you know? Because... <laughs> it's just hard, you know? You're waiting for some grandiose change or altering of things and an expanding of the scope, but it's... It doesn't happen because it already happened and it just comes in waves and it depends on what part of you you are that day because not all parts can access that. So when you do actually, when it comes time to age out of the system, it's, for me personally, in my own experience, I wasn't prepared for any of it. It was more like Grab the money and go. Get, like, I'm talking like, start the fucking van! Drive, motherfucker, drive! Like, go, go, go! And it always happens so fast that it's like, like, even the lead up before that, it's like nothing's really changing for anyone else. It's just... And I know I've talked about it before, but for me personally, I was a fucking fool and an idiot because I just, I didn't even think about my younger brother who I left behind. And I should have done more. For sure. Because, um, this shit still fucks me up. I was no better than anyone was to me to him
And that'll always be one of my greatest regrets. Because I know in my heart that's um, the exact opposite of what, 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 what I wanted to be. The person I wanted to be and the man I wanted to be. But it's like, like it almost feels like, like I just ran out of a burning building and I didn't even go back, you know? I should have. Now we just got all the same scars as I do. <laughs> but I know, um,. I know that, uh, <clears throat> but I just wasn't, I don't know, head wasn't right, wasn't thinking, and all I wanted to do was just fucking get away from the world. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a weird time, that's for sure, and, um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there, like, just, just, I know a lot of people say, oh yeah, that's the same for everyone, but it's like, no, it's so different. People always just downplay the foster care experience by contrasting it, comparing it to their own. People, but it's not, it's so different. It's so different that no one could even really understand unless they experienced it. You know, just like actually being able to relate to all the fucking orphans in the Disney movies you used to watch as a kid on a very real level. It was just... <laughs> this goddamn trip, man. Maybe that's why... Growing up, I felt like I've always had this this imaginary mindset, you know? And maybe that, being the most relatable peers in youth growing up in the foster care industry, are the fictional ones you're watching in cartoon movies. It just helped perpetuate this feeling of just not feeling real. You felt more like more like an imaginary friend than anything. And it was this, this... It was this, it's this, I don't know, it's like this, this cycle of... Always having to react but never being reacted to. Kind of. If you can understand what I mean by that. And it's... It's just, it's a weird feeling. And like, even like, growing up in environments where you're, like, you're, you were never any focus at all. You were always just support for something else. Whether it was... Just a family, their home, their child. It was just, you were almost like, if you've ever seen like a stage puppet show and they have those people who are controlling the puppets in the back, who are, the background would be black and then there would be people dressed in all black and they would be puppeteering the puppets on the stage, right? 
And it's almost like you're just one of those people in the back, dressed like the background, just trying to blend in. So it's, I don't know. I do know, actually. <laughs> I'm just trailing off getting distracted reading a text. My bad. Yeah, it's just like this weird concept I was just thinking about because I still have the feeling often where it's like you've only I've mentioned it before with this concept of anchor like reality anchors and just when you don't really have any and you're your only one it's harder to feel it's harder to inspire the feeling of realness within yourself And a lot of that probably just comes to being disempowered through the most important empowering stages of life, which is growing up from a youth to an adult or from a young age to a middle age. We're supposed to just have all of this. You're supposed to build it up, the belief in self and just solidarity in your mindset and the words that you speak and just it all gets taken because you have to be sort of to have this instability within you this like one of your legs has to be a bit off so you're not fully level at all times you know Because if that happened through that stage, which is also the most rebellious stage, you know, and you're being forced to live a life in a simulation, you know, just with a fake family and no love. Man, they gotta fuck your head up a little, at least a little bit. <laughs> right? Like... Like, the math is there. I didn't do the work, but... Bitch, I was the work. Shit. <laughs> but it's... I don't know, you know? Maybe... Maybe one day I'll be like Snuffleupagus and I will go from being an imaginary friend to a real Sesame Street character. <laughs> Inexplicably. Ninjas just came in. But I fought them off. I saved the pod. But for real, look that up if you, if you didn't get my reference. Snuffleupagus. First was on Sesame Street. As Big Bird's imaginary friend. But then people thought it wouldn't be a good message to send kids. So they just made him a real character. But yeah, maybe that's... Maybe that's my real journey, is the journey of Snuffleupagus. <laughs> Those are two of the, you know, two of the main concepts I really want to talk about was... I completely forgot about the imaginary one until it all just kind of came to fruition, I guess. Subconscious baby always has my back, except sometimes it really fucks me over. Sometimes it really fucks me over Sometimes it Sometimes it Sometimes it really fucks me over Boom, baby We're going off the rails with it This time round Thank y'all 
for being here once again. And if you're new, well, shit. You're here, you stopped by, I'm glad you do. <sighs> Just feels good to get some shit out, you know? And rest in power to that. That beautiful woman who had her power taken away and never given back, who passed away in BC in early February. Because that easily could have been any one of us veterans of the child welfare industry. You know, it's. It's tough. You know. It's um. When you. When you come from the land of broken toys. I think you're more likely to be on the side of the contrarian to the. dare I say, quote-unquote, normies on the street, you know, the kind of hive-centric mindset, if you will, the one to stand up for, stick up for, and speak up for the ones being spoken against. You know, the ones who are the minority, the less than, the never wills, the often don'ts, and needn't tries, and do not applies. Because there's a strange thing where it's There's just a lot, there's a lot of things within our species sociology that we just consciously, unconsciously overlook because there's some kind of hierarchy that, that some of us have created that has spread like a virus through the hive mind. And it just leaves so many things unspoken and left in the shadows for fear of diminishing some false fabricated light being created by those who stand only to hold all things. For no real other reason than to do it so that no one else can. And it's, it's a strange thing of, it's almost a drinking of the Kool-Aid to, 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 to like, want to succeed in life. So in doing so, you must further indoctrinate yourself into that ilk and it's it's been made a competition a point of privilege a point of pride and a point of rat race to attain this level and to get into this quote unquote ilk of society and people And it's so hard because I solemnly swear in all my heart of hearts that I, I don't believe in capitalism. I was just born in it. And man, it's so hard to live in a world you don't believe in. It's... 
and you have to partake in it. And and that world is all a part of this whole side I'm speaking about that we've been convinced that we want to be a part of so bad. When really we don't. It's just, it's what we're told we want before we're even allowed to decide what it is exactly we want. And so most people just carry on my wayward son. No peace until it's gone. <sighs> Don't you cry no more, you know? So it's like if you don't drink the Kool-Aid, especially when you haven't been you haven't been raised at all. <laughs> so you don't have the same kind of temptations of the mind to desire all the same things that everyone else does. And so it can be so much easier to just fall the other way. And to fall left in a right world or fall right in a left world. To fall back in a fourth world. It's... It's suicide. It's... Um, it's a foreign element within a body, you know, it's not a part of the body. So it's rejected. And I am... I'm at a point where I take in a little bit before I plunge in the plunger, you know? And then, but I can understand so easily how simply you can just fall and never stop. And, you know, it breaks my heart that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of young people reach that point. And, you know, it's not their fault that we get so broken. But we're made to believe that it is. And we're never, ever told otherwise. It's like, fuck, dude. <laughs> it's just cold, dog. It's, it's just like <laughs> we're it's like we're <laughs> we're we're broken speakers baby and ain't nobody listening to that shit <laughs> oh fuck having a ball today with it I don't know, you know, it's, what do you do, you know? You're not raised by anyone at all. Your mind is forced to rapidly mature in different forms to create all the missing roles in your life. 
you feel like more of an imaginary friend to anyone you meet in your life than anything else just because of how invisible you feel to everyone else. The one to be, the one to react, not the one to be reacted to, you know? And all that on your shoulders as you try and transition out of a system that never gave back anything they ever took and still expected you to smile and say thank you. <laughs> and we're supposed to be all right. We're supposed to be okay. We're supposed to be functioning members of society. We're not supposed to self-medicate. We're not supposed to be homeless. We're not supposed to die in the woods in the cold of winter. I don't know what we are and aren't supposed to do. I don't know what it'll take for me to ever believe that I would ever have such authority even over my own self. Because the tug of war can never be won. Because we're tugging on a rope that they tied to a boulder a long, long time ago. And they aren't even there anymore. You know, it's like fighting a war against ghosts. Ghosts, 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 ghosts. And you can't win that. You can't, you just can't win that, so. <laughs> I don't know. But I think now I'm gonna input a Smoke it, smoke it, smoke it, smoke it, a break session. And I'm going to try and dig up the one where I talk about when I first moved to Kingston after I got out of the small buttfuck town of Marmara. And just the wildly toxic lifestyle I created for myself. <laughs> oh, Brittany, baby. Toxic. Do whatever you suggest. I have no suggestions, Counselor. We, we could meet someplace. We're meeting now. <laughs> I'm not sure you understand my position. But I do, Counselor. Actions create consequences which produce new worlds, and they're all different. Where the bodies are buried in the desert, that is a certain world. Where the bodies are simply left to be found, that is another. And all these worlds, heretofore unknown to us, they must have always been there, must they not? I don't know. Did you say something? I don't know what I was saying. Counselor, at some point, you have to acknowledge the reality of the world that you're in. There is not some other world. This is not a hiatus. Hiatus. Como? I believe the word is hiatus. Can you spell that for me, please? 
tell you what you should have done or not done. The world in which you seek to undo the mistakes that you made is different from the world where the mistakes were made. You are now at the crossing and you want to choose, but there is no choosing. There's only accepting. The choosing was done a long time ago. So, you get out, you're starved, thirsty, what do you do? You run to the trough. You try and get everything that you felt you were lacking. Everything that just makes up that feeling of being human. Just emotions, raw emotions, love, lust, fear, but you already probably had, a, had enough of that back, back in the system, but... For me, I just, I was lost. I didn't learn, I didn't learn what the building blocks were for a well-rounded life. Maybe that's just being young and 18, you know, out on your own for the first time. But I think a lot of people got a little bit more guidance and assistance. The Children's Aid, they, they didn't really, they offered some guidance, but in the form of basically papers that would kind of just outline what to do. But not even in that fact, but it was just more like go to school, stay in school, and you get just enough money to maybe kind of pay rent. It's almost like a weird ransom situation where you kind of have to bend to their will or they'll rip away all your assistance and help and kind of just leave you alone so the the threat of just being stranded out alone in the real world with no tools or teachings to help you understand how you're supposed to be a person be something that you've never really got a chance to be Or even really had a good example of what that might look like. Personally, I tried to go to college at that time to be a child youth worker. And that my whole idea was I could I could do more in the system than outside of it to help or change things or break it down or make it better or whatever. But then, you know, I'm going through all these spent a semester spending most of the time stoned out of my mind ditching classes, partying in the residence that I didn't live in but it was attached to the college and during this time I also had my apartment which was across the city so my life had, just as, just as it was in foster care it began to divide and this invisible wall began to separate my two worlds which was my friend Sean I had moved out with in our apartment, which we shared, and our two female friends we had met over the summertime when we had first arrived. And then my other life back at college where I would stay in residence all the time and just get fucked out of my mind and then bounce from class to residence to class to residence. had a group of friends there as well. And it was, it was weird because the one girl who lived with us, we formed a deep connection and a very unhealthy, not so codependent, codependent relationship where she ended up, the two females ended up moving in when my friend moved away after he wasn't doing anything except sitting on his computer. So they moved in to take his place and fill that gap, but... 
it just made things even harder. Me and this girl, we loved each other but never got on terms to actually be together. So it was this very unhealthy unhealthy beast to come home to, really, for, for both of us. And we would f fight horribly, physically hurt each other, and just... We were just so desperate and alone, but together. And we would just take it out on each other. I'm not proud of it at all, you know. It, it, we were young and dumb, and we had way too much feelings and emotion and not enough just understanding of what it all meant. It was all just so raw. And we would just lash out at each other. Whether it was me talking to other girls at school or her fucking her manager at work, you know, it was just this constant kind of battle to the point where our apartment had just become a war zone of just holes in the walls and fucking just a lot of bullshit. And after every time, we would just fuck. <laughs> we would just separate and then just just kind of cry while your guts just felt like they were being torn up from the inside just from all the fucking hurt and emotion just not having the ability to process and deal with any of it really and I just I ended up I ended up straight up just flunking out of my program after one semester because I had no no control or no presence of mind that I could actually have an effect in changing my situation for the better. I just let it all just run wild and just snowball and it just got to the point where I flunked out and then because I flunked out of college, the CAS was like, alright, well, we're not going to help you anymore, so then I was kind of swiftly, one very cold January, just kind of left out in the cold, and I didn't really, I knew it was my fault, but I didn't have, I didn't have the ability to grasp that concept, I just didn't, for so long, everyone else had all the control of the reins of my life that when I finally got handed the reins, I didn't know how to fucking drive. And because of that, I just spinned out and crashed the whole carriage, you know? And it all got, it all came to a head. Well, not all came to a head, but it really started to get to low bottom when these people who lived in my apartment weren't really paying rent all that much. And I didn't really have a the sense of paying bills yet at that point. I didn't even really know how. I couldn't understand. So, we got into a really crazy fight. And the usual thing happens. I stay in the living room, whatever, sit with my feelings and cry. She goes to the bedroom, gets on her laptop, does the same, gets her feelings and cries, whatever. And then like 20, 30 minutes later, there's a knock at her door. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I see her go answer the door. I hear some murmuring or whatever. I'm like, right, she must be leaving. And then all of a sudden, these two guys come in. I'm like, what the fuck? Who are these guys? Like friggin' big guys, probably like 10, 12 years older than me. They come in. And I'm laying in my boxers on the couch about to go to sleep. The one guy stands over me and he says, Do you like hitting girls, huh? And just as he says that, he cocks his fist back. And then he just starts punch, like, just pummeling me as I'm laying in my underwear on this couch trying to go to sleep. <laughs> so he's over top of me. I instantly just get death grip, put my hands over my face because he's just punching down at my head. I can feel him trying to pull my hands off my face so he can get a good shot, but he just couldn't 
couldn't get the grip off. I was just like, nope, you're not fucking my teeth up, man. Been to the dentist too many times in my life. Fuck that shit. I'm playing this game. But him with his frustration not being able to remove my hands, he starts kind of just alternating between my ribs and my head. And he's just like going back and forth, going back and forth. And during the, while this is happening, my partner and roommate at the time, she, I guess, didn't realize what was going to happen. And she started freaking out. And when she went to pull him off, his friend threw her in the corner and then held her in the corner. And then this guy just kind of continued to just pummel me and just pummel me. And the worst part was he had this ring with, like, a little cluster of, like, stones or something in it. So then all over my head and body was just, like, these, like, tiny little clusters of just, like, puncture marks. And then basically, I don't even know how long it was, but he stops. He tells me to stand up. He tells me to stand up. So I do, because I'm like, I don't you know what the... I was pretty fucking dazed at that point. And I stand up, and he tells me if he, if he ever hears this kind of shit again, he's going to come back with a shotgun. Cocks back, lays one, lays me out, lays one more on me, right on my cheek, and just fucking sends me down to the couch. And then him and his buddy just fucking leave. And, uh... Yeah, uh, that that was a crazy, crazy shitty feeling to just kind of just be sitting there in my own apartment, fresh off a fucking beating, and having no no clue what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. I went into her room, looked at her like, what the fuck? Couldn't. He- you know, you know Gushers, the old lunchable, the old lunch snack. Well, in the old commercials for Gushers, it would be like the kids would eat a Gusher and their head would turn into like whatever flavor of fruit it was, and it was just a, you know, fun like commercial back in the day. But the way I remember, the way I look back on that commercial is like that day, half my head had turned into a raspberry, and that's just how it, like when I look back on it, I see it like that. It was just like. I felt so instantly swollen and misshapen and bubbled up and defeated and broken and bruised and... To be honest, I was just so hurt. Couldn't believe, you know, someone I loved could do that or let that happen. But then again, look where our love had gotten us to that point really even, so... The only thing I could do is just... I just called my mom and cried, to be honest. I'm not trying to fucking flex on anyone or fake any shit. Like, I was fucked up. And I was in shock after it initially, but as it died down, it just went like that. Mom was obviously super worried. My mom was obviously super worried. But there's not much she could do, you know? Best part was is this bitch has the audacity to come out of her room basically make fun of me for calling my mom. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like We were both just fucking crazy kids who were just out of their minds and out of their depth, you know? One time I was asleep and woke up to a bong spilling on top of me and then I wake up and this bitch is throwing dishes at the wall saying she fucking hates me because I wasn't fucking answering her and I'm like well bitch what the fuck I was asleep I don't know what the fuck you're talking about and it just like I'll be real it ended with me asking her to move out after we had already been served an eviction notice my plan was she could move in back in with her mom. We could try this again in an actual healthy way. And maybe, you know, actually work it out and actually have a healthy relationship. 
But I guess to her that was me saying, you know what? You can move out and you can go fuck my best friend. Because that's what happened. And I will never be proud of the person I became during that time because I was... I went crazy. I lost my mind. I didn't have anything. I was being evicted. I was in this complete downward spiral. And then to have the girl I loved and the guy I looked up to and looked to for guidance and friendship and all this other stuff, behind my back they had started filling, I guess, the gap I left in their life with each other. I don't... To the point where they would come visit me. It was almost like a little pity party. They would come see me when I was alone in my apartment just in a fucking sick, sad mess. And they would... After a while, I started, like, feeling this weird thing and it was just, like... I started to realize what the fuck was going on and then when I figured it all out, it just sent me into this crazy, crazy fucking spiral where at one point... I confronted him in his in his dorm room and like turned into this whole fucking thing, smashing plates. He won't let me fucking leave. I pushed my way through. I'm like, I w- it made me fucking crazy. I didn't care about my own well-being, anyone's well-being. I just felt so jaded and hurt, and I was just I was sad. I was so sad at just my life and everything and the way it was going and. I didn't really know how badly I didn't I didn't have the grasp to understand how badly it was actually going but it was going really bad and after the uh, after the eviction that was just kind of the nail in the coffin After the eviction, that was kind of, it was like hitting rock bottom and then just kind of hanging out there for a while, just living it out. (laughs) Fuck. Even just remembering all this has just got me full of just all those feelings again. (laughs) So, I'll pick it back up, you know, love lost for no good reason. Love spent for no good reason. And, uh, yeah. Delve more deeper into just trying to fill that void that didn't even really know was there, created by the ones who said they were going to help and protect me. You know? Yeah. Are you there, counselor? Yes. I don't mean to offend you, but reflective men often find themselves at a place removed from the realities of life. In any case, we should all prepare a place where we can accommodate all the tragedies that sooner or later will come to our lives. But this is an economy few people care to practice. Do you know the words of Machado? I know his name. Caminante no hay camino, se hace camino al andar. Lovely poet. Machado was a school teacher. And he married a young, beautiful girl. And he loved her very much. And she died. And then he became a great poet. I'm not going to become a great poet. Well, perhaps not. But even if you were to do so, it would not help you. Machado would have traded every word, every poem, every verse he ever wrote for one more hour with his beloved. And that is because when it comes to grief, the normal rules of exchange do not apply because grief transcends value. A man would give entire nations to let grief off his heart, and yet you cannot buy anything with grief because grief is worthless. Why are you telling me this? Because you continue to deny the reality of the world you're in. Do you love your wife so much, so completely, that you would exchange places with her upon the wheel? 
And I don't mean dying because dying is easy. Yes, yes, Samuel. Well, that is good to hear, Counselor. What are you saying? Are you saying this is a possibility? No. It's impossible. You said I was that man at that crossing. Yes, at the understanding that life is not going to take you back. You are the world you have created. And when you cease to exist, this world that you have created will also cease to exist. But for those with the understanding that they're living the last days of the world, death acquires a different meaning. The extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation can encompass. And yet, in that despair, which is transcendent, you will find the ancient understanding that the Philosopher's Stone will always be found despised and buried in the mud. This may seem a small thing in the face of annihilation until annihilation occurs. And then all the grand designs and all the grand plans will be finally exposed and revealed for what they are. And now, Counselor, I have to go because I have to make other calls. If I have time, I think I'll take a, a small nap. Alrighty, folks, and that was our episode. Hope you enjoyed our little talks. Um, did my best to you know, just commemorate the passing of that young lady in British Columbia. Um, new story didn't give much away, but, you know, if you want to look up more on that, you can find the article on, like, C- CTV or CBC or any kind of Canadian news broadcaster website. And, um, yeah, if you got anything you want to add or any kind of takes from your own experience or your own outlooks or opinions on any of the content dealing with, you know, the imaginary mindset, you know, that kind of drop-dead Fred mentality and the experience of transitioning out of in out of any kind of systemic living into the independent world because it ain't easy and you know we're all out here kind of struggling through the same but not together and it's beneficial if we do what we can to just share and try and help because you know it's more than you can learn from your experiences and your mistakes you know it's it's part of the the human computer to, you know, how's the next, the next version going to know any better if we don't share the information of our triumphs and our mistakes, you know, the highs and lows, the up jumps and the downfalls and all that fun fucking stuff. And yeah, that was, uh, the smoke break talking about my time in Kingston and those first days of adulthood, if you could even call it that. Fuck, just because you're 18 don't make you an adult, let me tell you that. Just because they tell you you're ready to move out doesn't mean you is. (laughs) But, you know, you live and you learn, and... As I 
just said we fucking share people. Because sharing is caring and Karen ain't Karen ain't been to work in fucking months, motherfuckers. So let's get that bitch back in here, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys want to get in touch, share a story, get involved in any way possible, you can hit me up at thehurtcircus at gmail.com or on any of my social medias at Nicholas Ridiculous on Instagram and Nicholas Ridiculous on Facebook. Uh, you can hit up, oh, and my website, nicholasridiculous.ca, and my upcycle fashion website, underbellysociety.com. You can check out any of our music, Dimebag Crew. We got three albums out on all music streaming platforms. And, yeah, last week, actually, we did our first performance ever, first live performance. So in the next episode, I'll get more into that just to share that whole experience. I uh, I recorded half this episode before it, so I was hoping to get it out before, but you know how life is, peeps. You know how it is out there. You know, you. the mind wants more than the body can give, and it is a bitch sometimes. So I'm sorry if you've been waiting or, you know, you know, probably really has, let's be honest. This is a very sporadic, spontaneous thing. But, fingers crossed on consistency, growing, and all that fun stuff. I think it's mainly more so the, uh, just it's so daunting, you know, just to look so f- inside yourself and record these things and then have to sit and listen. But we do what we can, and we try, and we keep trying, because what the fuck else is there, right? You know? Don't try one day, but you gotta try the next, because contrast makes the world go round. (laughs) And yeah, so hit me up on any of those if you want to get involved, get in touch, whatever. I think I might be... No, I definitely am. I'm going to be putting a little magazine together. So if you're an artist out there and you want to, you know, get submit some work to be included in this little art mag, you know, the first issue's theme is going to be on stepping out of the shadows to kind of just symbolize what I'm trying to do with this thing and that being kind of get people out of their little bubbles that we've seemed to have built for ourselves and our little castles and come together and build one big castle you know we gotta fucking build this megazord motherfuckers let's fucking let's do this shit it's gonna be a third eye tired magazine so the tip mag and yeah i'm gonna probably be working on that today after i get done some work on this shit and grab my fucking my ritual breakfast at the wexford so yeah, just fucking throw some effort out there. Let's fucking do some shit, y'all. Make it happen, Cap'n. Build a community. Build an island, something. I don't know, fuck. <laughs> One thing I do know, if you're gonna get out in the world, man, shit, you wanna be something? Fuck. Better be goddamn worthwhile, bitch. Shit. Peace. Like, uh, you know, this guy. We'll probably end up. And she was taken away.